0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan Podcast, the podcast where two comedians talk like experts on subjects they are not experts on. My name is Neil. I'm joined by Jordan. You may know him as Friendly Geordies from the infamous YouTube channel. We have paid subscriptions available one, two, three, ten, or thirty dollars a month uh, with various perks available at each tier of subscription. All revenue from the subscriptions goes straight to charity. Jordan has a a tour at the moment. He's got shows coming up in Queensland, I believe. Mm -hmm. And what about after that? Where are you going after Queensland?
1: New South Wales again. Just doing all the eastern states. I don't know if you're allowed to go to WA. We will be going there. And, of course, what are the other states? South Australia. That's it, folks. That's it. I'm not going to the Northern Territory. Not going to Tassie? Yeah, I'll go there, but. Uh, that's always the last leg of the tour. It's kind of like when the Easter show just went all down New South Wales, then Victoria, and then they had maybe a sumo bag there in, in Hobart. That's me. That that's the
0: only so they have the leftover show bags yeah, for Hobart residents. Yes.
1: Did you know about that? No, so there's no birdie beatles. No, those are snapped up because they're the ones that uh all well, the parents that are too cheap to actually get a good show bag Ooh, gave okay. their kids. Well, weren't they always five bucks? The good ones were twenty five, and if you had three kids, there is no yeah. way you're spending seventy five dollars on. Let's be honest, still shit. He
0: yeah, has a good point. What's the demographic of families that go to the Easter show? Is it is it every family, or is it is there a specific demo?
1: I feel like it used to be bogan's. No, sorry, it is bogan's now, but it used to be every family used to drag their kids there. So and I think it was just because not everyone watches Seven News anymore.
0: The show bags have slowly declined in price and quality.
1: Oh, and I reckon they've in increased bags, in price.
0: One Nation show bags.
1: <laughs> That'd be amazing. What a bumper sticker, a doll of Pauline Hansen, which is just a Raggedy Ann repurposed.
0: Yep. Please explain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Please explain, Please explain the explain bumper top. sticker. Okay, of course. I, I wouldn't mind that half no. ironic but half I like the sentiment explain things to me what's wrong with that <laughs> why is that that's not racist just explain things to me ple and she's being polite please explain how can you hate how can you hate a slogan like that
1: yeah that was that was actually very cruel that they made that her go-to phrase and on top of that it was just like oh my god you don't know what xenophobic means? No one knew what xenophobic meant until Wait. Pauline Hanson was sprung with it. So was this a, was there a controversy that I missed out on where she
0: didn't know what the word xenophobic meant.
1: Yeah, I met the journalist. That's where police explain came from. Because the, oh, the journalist tried to trip this. her up. Yeah. Oh, really? Was this before she went to jail? Oh, yeah, way before that. This is okay. just when she was the Lone Crusader in parliament.
0: Is xenophobic is a very niche term that people who were trying to sound smart would just say. Otherwise, you could just say racist.
1: Yep which is exactly what they did to her because they said let's ask if she's racist and then the no the producer was saying no if we if she says xenophobic if, if we won't. say xenophobic she won't know what it means and she'll uh-huh. look stupid so let's go with that.
0: Well yeah like you said back then I'd say the majority of the population wouldn't know I probably wouldn't have known what xenophobic meant.
1: No, you only know about it, I swear, because Pauline Hansen tripped up on it and so everybody wanted to feel superior and smug by what? learning what the word meant.
0: What if you actually dissect the word what is what is the Xeno part? See, I don't even know what does know. that mean? Because if the phobia is the fear, so, so I'm if you're guessing homophobic, your fear of Xenoph fear of, <laughs> no, no, of no, Nick no, Xenophon. No,
1: Greeks, they, every time I think of Xenophon's name, I thought, no, you really should have changed your name to Smith. You shouldn't have kept Xenophon. Suppose it kind of sounds like xylophone. Yeah, because, That's cool.
0: because Greeks aren't aren't, you know, aren't a trendy minority right now, are they? Uh-uh. They're not the sort of minority where people be like, Yes, I will support that voice.
1: I tell you what though, they are the most common cinch minority there is. Yeah. You will with dude, you them. Don't they? Greeks mm-hmm. hate SJW culture.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greeks, Italians. We've yeah. definitely spoken about this, but they Yeah. They hated more than sixty-year-old boomers,
1: way more. Yeah, they re- they Especially really hate it. sixty-year-old Greek boomers,
0: the few I follow on Facebook, they really hate it.
1: Yeah, I don't understand why. I don't know why those nah. those cultures are particularly fucking anti it.
0: Well, they came a they came of age in the seventies, eighties, and nineties where um, they got bullied and uh, they they were uh, well. People were discriminatory towards them, constantly calling them wogs. Probably beating them up at school, and they toughed it out and made something of themselves. <laughs> toughed it out, and they, um, you know, they got a trade or they started a small business, and then they uh, sent their kids to
1: uni. And they really—they're
0: the migrant dream.
1: They are the migrant dream. So
0: then, when they hear all these new migrants complaining about how racist Australia is, they'll but you have no idea what I went through. Mm. Shut up, <laughs> shut up. You know they. <laughs>
1: And they uh yeah there'll be a lot of Australian flags outside of Greek Orthodox churches well, you think it, you think it goes that deep I think it is just that uh I think Greeks would they think. actually assimilated to Australian culture mm, and I think that that's, that's like why they must have such a detesting attitude
0: I think they kept uh certain parts of their culture and that's commendable because it's been three, four generations now for a lot of them if they if they were post-war, mi- post-war migrants and they've otherwise assimilated but they they keep the uh, the insistence on family and extended family and the orthodox religion and Greek Easter, that's a big one.
1: Oh yeah, no, they still have all of the, it's, it. They've kept the, the garish taste in architecture. That's still strong.
0: And the love for real estate. <laughs> yes,
1: is that, Certain blue collar trades
0: Is that even a Greek thing Or is that just a A migrant Australian thing What Just the love of real estate Or is it just an Australian thing It's just every it's,
1: Everyone loves it don't they You yeah. know what it is I'm telling you now Twenties the go to conversation is clubbing, festivals, and drugs. 30s, the go to conversation is real estate.
0: Real estate and index funds and marriage, and. Well, that's it. What else do you talk about in your
1: 30s? What else do you talk about? What else do you talk about? How much do much you hate people
0: about? in their 20s? Yeah, and, and in how your, they don't When know you're anything. in your 20s, you, you bitch about people who are in their teen years.
1: Yeah. And you. Um, fuck dude now that i think about it being in your 30s is way more shallow you've kind of been there done that with all of your what's the universe like you you, you're done with that you're just like dude i don't care where's my mortgage that's all you care about i don't know why i really don't know every single 30 year old that i speak to is just all they want to talk about is how outrageous prices are but i did get a good deal on a house in Blacksland.
0: That's all they want. You're not wrong, hey? No. They've, they've really. Uh, there's far less existential concerns for people in their 30s. No, they just... It's purely so my mundane. life, my family life. We've got to talk about this. I don't have the energy to talk about
1: the universe. I think, actually, Bill Maher sort of made a pretty good... He was sort of touching it recently with his monologue. He was just saying that after a while... And I don't think that I'm old enough to have this phase, but I just remember my mum saying it as well, that after a while your body prepares itself for death because it just realises how cyclical life is. It's just the same fucking trends on a loop of about 15 or 20 years. And after you've seen it three times, you're just like, ah, just can I end this? Like that's <laughs> that she was describing it. And I think that they were kind of right. where Bill Maher was saying something similar where it was just like, look, you are a big- I get twitch. It's not because I'm old that I don't get Twitch. I just think that watching a nerd play games is fucking lame. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is not wrong, don't <laughs> so you reckon? Okay. So you're a, you're a it. beacon of optimism, <laughs> it's aren't you? Like you? You can... <laughs> are. If you look up "glass half empty" in the dictionary, it is a picture of you. Yeah, it's your channel. It's just subscribe to this guy's <laughs> channel. As you get glass half glass half empty. <laughs> But you're very
1: funny. <coughs> <laughs> yeah, look. It's there's something there's something about the older you get getting crustier. There he is.
0: You're not even old. You're 31.
1: I know. It's just but I Now that we're talking about this, there is a definite distinction when I'm speaking to people that are a bit younger and that, right? Just anything about like what do you think about nihilism? And it's just like, I don't have time for this, man. I'm not
0: in a uni share house anymore.
1: Yeah. Like. I got a wife. I don't want to smoke any more bongs. My lungs kind of hurt now. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Mm. I don't think I'm at that point yet. still happy to chat about nihilism, but But not to a 20 year old. See, this is the
1: thing. When I talk about nihilism or something like that with you, you've read some books, but these guys have just replaced books with bongs and it's not the same.
0: <laughs> and, and Reddit and Reddit threads,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I think is the gist of a book. It's not. It's kind of a really dumb Chinese whispers of somebody on the Reddit thread has maybe read half a book. Isn't that just the story of culture?
0: It's just dumb Chinese whispers. Isn't that all Fuck. culture is? We're just passing down things, and they get a bit. There's miscommunications along the generations. You know, one tribe goes off to India or the other one stays in Africa and 10,000 years later they've diverged because there's just been issues in the way that they've communicated the cultural Chinese whispers.
1: Damn. <laughs> Look, you can't disagree with that statement.
0: Keep it nice and close. That's
1: as factual as it gets. I swear that's more. Yeah, happens. What is it's just right like here, a... It's it's like someone smart thought about it, you know, five generations ago. No one bothered to properly read what he was saying. I mean, even us talking about, I think, a couple of podcasts back about Adam Smith. That's exactly what happened to his works. Him talking about the free market is not what he was saying, but just no one bothers to look it up, including myself. (laughs) Just no one could be fucked reading a 1700s economic theory. Not now. <laughs> the constant bastardization of
0: complex political thought to the point where it's now in one minute TikTok bites.
1: Uh, is that what's happening now, is it? Yeah. Just so you know, there's people starving in Poland. There's a lot of that shit.
0: It's just, there's a lot of everything.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's too big.
0: <sighs> I mean, it's just created...
1: Oh, sorry. That's all right. It's- yeah, that's a great way to describe TikTok. It's a lot of everything. <laughs> I am I am really
0: immersed in TikTok right now. I, I think this is... I've found my, my goal for the next year and a half because I'm nearly at a million followers mm. and a lot of my followers are American mm. and female skewed,
1: which is incredible. But isn't that... TikTok.
0: Yeah, that is TikTok. Tick- is yes, female. that is TikTok. But, you know what? Well, I like to think it's also me. <laughs> I just I, 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 I appeal to 16-year-old American women. Girls, we, I don't know, is a 16-year-old a girl or a woman?
1: Uh, well, that's the question of Depends if many, you're on Epstein's Island, hey? Yeah. <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> um,
1: yeah, so anyway, you're uh, questioning hmm? whether it's uh, you know no I'm think- how old is 16 really <laughs> that's definitely and- not questioning that but just saying this is
0: my demographic right now <laughs> i have no intention but that is the oldest demographic I have no on tiktok no intention to slide into anyone's dms okay oh. uh, i just want to i i think i just want to be a tiktok star now and well, i that's mean where the kids like, are at. really get to 3 million 4 million followers and, and and capitalise on the American audience. Because I remember in 2013, as I started to get a few videos that were going well in America, I had that silly Australian tall poppy syndrome. There's, oh, when I do videos that do well in America, they're fucking pussy videos. I'm going to keep that Aussie fan base. And and then I sort of, I think my American audience started to resent me because it was just far too Australian-centric, my content. But now... Resent le- you? All oh, right, I may mean, not resent, but, but just pity. slowly... You know, I did a song called "The Sickest Can't," where every word just rhymed with cunt. A great parody of Aussie rap, but Americans would be like, "What the fuck is this?"
1: That's very rude. They hate that word. Yeah,
0: they don't. Yeah, yeah, they don't appreciate that word. Um, so I'm starting to. I'm. I'm thinking about because the show I'm doing, it's. A, it's a. It, the guy who produces the show expressed it the best. It's a content factory. We're trying to post as many clips as possible. Um, come up with uh formats where other comedians can get involved and I can give them something as well because I have this following and this audience. So it's almost like when they come onto my show, I'm hoping that it has the same appeal as, say, appearing on Good Newsweek 10 years ago Mm. because you're being exposed to thousands, hopefully hundreds of thousands of people and you're gaining followers, you're gaining a little bit of notoriety. So Mm. that's sort of what I was talking about a few podcasts ago, which is, well, I don't want to compete with these dying media outlets i want to create my own create my own kind of mini media company and my own outlet for other comedians to perfect their craft and try new things but i'm also thinking i'm going to start to um post a few serious videos on tiktoks you know i've got my opinions um but i suppose what i'm aiming for is not to just on tiktok there's a lot of it seems like there's a lot of um well, everywhere on social media, is divisive tribalism, but it's it's notably pronounced on TikTok. And there's this there's this real. It could just be my for you page, but there's this real semblance of uh, I suppose pretentiousness, a self righteousness in the way people will deliver political or cultural statements on on TikTok. And it's it's there's you know there's your conservative talk and your left talk and centrist talk. I get comments being like, oh, how did I end up in centrist TikTok? It's <laughs> just just the most catty, passive-aggressive comments you could imagine. So I kind of want to – I like the idea of trying to take, uh, you know, not right-wing but, but sort of culturally uh, contrarian talking points on all the podcasts I listen to, like your Coleman Hughes and Sam Harris, maybe – getting into Candace Owens' territory, but probably not that extreme, and make it digestible for uh, a TikTok audience. That's cool. I like that as a challenge.
1: But it's kind of in contrast to you getting to your three, four million, because this is the thing. You will get a diehard fan base, but it will be a lot more selective.
0: I'm, I, I don't know about that, man, because Why? I think a lot of it is not about what is being said. It's about how you say it.
1: But think about Sam Harris. Mm -hmm. His podcast is huge. He has a devout audience, Mm -hmm. but he also has a lot of critics. And those critics also have their followers. And that guy says things carefully and neutrally. Yes, I I understand that. I mean, he still has an argument, obviously, but he's trying to deflect as much criticism as possible away from what he's saying. Mm -hmm. And to give the man his dues, he's good at it. He does a good job. I do feel like the tides are
0: turning to a certain degree, but also what I've been thinking about lately. Look, look, you could be right. It could be an impossible task. Um, I wanted to actually do a whole podcast on this topic, but I guess what you could call mitigating dismissal, and what I mean by that is based on people's ideologies and worldviews, there are certain, similar to what I talked about in the subjective realities podcast, there are certain... Uh, I suppose, signals that people can pick up on that immediately dismisses someone else's argument or opinion. Mm. So I suppose if we're talking about um, something like white fragility, so that's the idea that uh, when uh, race is discussed with white people, they get really fragile and sensitive and defensive. Now, by articulating that sentiment, you've already dismissed any form of dissent from a white person. Because if a descent is leveled towards you, oh, see, see, this why fragility. Mm. See how right I am. Mm. See, so this is what I'm trying to think. Like I'm trying to think of ways to, to fight against those sorts of easy dismissals of uh, ideas. So things as simp- quickly, yeah, because things as simple as okay, if you're a man saying basically anything about modern feminism. That's it. You're gone. No, nope, I'm not going to even listen to your argument. That's it. No, nope, I've got to you, maybe you could call it a heuristic within the ideology or whatever. But there is, you know, a defense mechanism in the way I see the world that prevents me from taking your points of view seriously. So say, you know, going back to um, why him, why her negotiators would be very quick to dismiss people who come across as stoic robotic only ever talking about statistics and, and facts and 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 lack of motion and empathy because they could actually at the core of what they they're saying agree with the person but oh it just makes me feel uncomfortable it rubs me the wrong way you yeah. know that people say things like this yeah it rubs me the wrong way i don't like the way he said that it makes me feel a bit weird You can, I think you can employ strategies to mitigate against those sorts of easy dismissals. But that's like an emotional dismissal. Yeah, but that's where most of those dismissals come from.
1: But what you're talking... I don't know. Are you talking about ones that are kind of just a signal in people's minds, such as white fragility? So it doesn't really matter how you say white fragility. You could say it nicely. You could say it meanly. You could say it matter-of-factually. As soon as you say that word there's a certain cue that comes off it. I suppose because the actual word yes. has so much emotional investment in it. That's what's really happening there. So you're right. It's still emotional. Yes. It's just yes. that it's been compounded through years and years of emotion being put on that word.
0: Yeah. So there's a pent-up, um, there's just layers of emotion that are associated with that phrase. Mm. Let me try and analogize this with, say, you did that little mock video a few weeks ago where... You were, uh, par- I don't know if you were actually parodying or, or trying to make it seriously appeal to, to boomers, but the one where it's Scobo sold this to China. Oh, yeah, This yeah. to China. Yeah. This to China. Sold, sold, sold. <laughs> now, that has an array of signals where, as far as I'm aware, you, the, the target audience would not dismiss that mm. because it's. Hard-hitting, not soft, Mm. telling it like it is. These Mm. are the sort of things that, as far as I'm aware, the audience you're trying to appeal to would not dismiss something like that. Whereas if it was, I don't know, a um, 50-year-old woman with short hair articulating the same points on the ABC,
1: immediately, nah, I don't like her. Don't like the way she says it. No, I think that, like, don't you reckon that Milo Yiannopoulos or any of those kind of characters have proven... That it's not really the type of person that is saying it. It actually is what's being said.
0: He's a look. You See, know if what? He he you, if a, you had that fifty-year-old
1: a... boomer with short hair saying, "It's unbelievable how they've sold these things off to China." I mean, look. What's her name? That woman here—that's a psychologist. Can't remember her name. She's on Sky News all the time. Bettina, aunt. Don't you think that she gives off the visage of somebody that should be going to the opera house a lot?
0: Not not uh if I were to just from an emotional level, not to the same extent as other commentators her age on, say the ABC or SBS would. True. To a degree, yeah, probably. Yeah. So you know look, you're not entirely wrong there. I still think there they're, they're, they're a- there are ways to articulate and say things because there's these new, there's these emerging influences <laughs> that are in this space that I'm really interested in at the moment. Who are they? There's uh, there's a, a lady called Africa Brook, and I share a lot of her thoughts on my uh, Instagram story. And now this is a this is a British woman who wrote this uh, essay, "Why I'm Leaving the Cult of Wokeness." And she's black. And she looks. She looks like someone who would be stereotypically on, I suppose, whatever you want to call
1: it, the woke left. Or she's a darling of the BBC at the moment, isn't she? I'm. I'm not too sure what her. If she's, I don't watch the BBC. I think that she is, and I think for is some she, reason the BBC has turned really anti woke. I don't know
0: what happened. I'm not in touch with any of this because uh, I don't watch. Yeah, I do well, really watch don't. TV. But, but um. She, uh, even though her a major part of her ethos is anti-identitarianism, just by the fact of her being, well, a, b- a black woman with you know she's got <laughs> shaved hair and she's very fashionable, and you see someone like that and you automatically think, oh, I expect her to be woke, hmm. and so that whereas if it was a man, if it's Ben Shapiro, a man in a suit who's very stoic and robotic and constantly just uh speaking about facts over feelings, mm. that comes across as very cold mm. and callous mm. and lacking compassion. Mm. So immediately people turn off. They don't want to hear what he actually has to say. In the mm. same way, I probably look. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not. I'm immune to this. I mean, I, I'll probably, you know, let's be honest, if I saw an obese lady with um, short blue hair, I'm going to roll my eyes and be like, yeah, I know what you're going to say. Mm. Which I, I want to try to be better at that. I think everyone should try and actually just listen to what people are saying. But... Um, there's just certain signals, w- whether it be appearance, demeanor, um, the way you articulate something, not necessarily how you're articulating, it, but the way you articulate it and what what you're valuing while you express those ideas. So, Jonathan Haidt, the social psychologist, was talking about how uh, conservatives and liberals in America. Now I think when he's talking about conservatives and liberals, he's talking in the older generation, um, but he would say that you know, most conservatives would be totally against climate change and dismiss anyone who's even talking about it unless they reframed the way they spoke about it as an issue. So instead of talking about it as, a, say, a scientific issue or a, a, you know, even an economic issue, there's okay, the natural environment is impure. We are um, almost soiling it. We're spoiling it. We need to protect the American environment. If you say it in a way like that, suddenly they were more engaged. And they were more likely to uh, listen to the argument that's being said. Whereas mm. the same argument's being said, it's just the way you express it, the way people are expressing it.
1: Mm, mm. So, wait, what's the overarching point then?
0: Well, I'm just trying to think of ways to uh, make some of the points that I, well, I talk about on this podcast and on the other podcast, but digestible on TikTok um, in the context of one minute to an audience that would otherwise. Automatically dismiss those kind of talking points.
1: Yeah, that is a challenge. It's a
0: challenge, but I think I want to. I want to try it, man. I want to. Um. I was thinking about this just today, actually. If I was a major media company with millions of dollars of capital, I would just invest in massive R and D and get a bunch of, you know, young people, maybe even just f- young women in particular, because this is the Dick Dog audience. Just sit them down and just control for every possible variable. Okay, the guys—he's wearing this in the video. How do they feel when he wears this? How do they feel when he, when he speaks with his arms in an in a more opening, welcome, welcoming, with welcoming gestures as opposed to closed off with his arms closed? Um, a smile in the first two seconds of the video—just really subtle things like that. That big advertising companies probably would do they would invest in that sort of research and development. Now, I obviously don't have that
1: money. You don't have that money, but I'm sure that there's a lot of books that are talking about this. That's
0: true. and, and There and, and, would be them. Well, I'm reading a few of them now. Um, even just what I was talking about before, where you know it can be the, the framing of the issue that can make all the difference. Um, and you also have to think of what are some of the things, why are they dismissing views immediately? So, so, so there's... You know, people might automatically think this person lacks empathy. This person lacks compassion. He uh, is emotionally unintelligent. So then, what you need to do then is show that no, I am compassionate. I am, um, I do care about people's feelings, and if they've been hurt, and if they've experienced things like trauma, and use words like that. And if you relate it, because I've been quite interested in relationships recently as well, I'm relating a lot of these things to um, relationship. Uh, knowledge. So I made a video earlier in the year about how, um, people who dismiss, uh, right leaning culture war views that are espoused by, you know, people of color are actually partaking in a form of emotional abuse. Mm. So using that sort of language and that went gangbusters on my on my TikTok and on my um, Instagram and people who I wouldn't have expected to like it and to comment on it were were really enjoying it and sharing it.
1: Mm. And Was it mostly women? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And because you know the big gripe that women are always talking about with k- figures, you hear it constantly. Heath, mean.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, so
1: if you are able to reverse that and say that this person is kind of you know exactly what you just did there concerned for emotions you've won over that demographic whereas exactly men i think want to see enemies crushed into the ground and their skulls stomped on yeah you know so well, it really right. depends yes so that yeah there that's just like a really to the basic rules, but base yeah obviously yes, but that's very true i think that that's really like uh if you, you know, because even you just fuck, even you just saying that then of just being like, it's actually a form of emotional abuse. I was just like, yeah, I <laughs> know. Yeah, if I heard <laughs> that, I'd be oh for fuck's sake. Like, but it worked. <laughs> but it works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: and no, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not lying. I think it is.
1: It's, no, it's just. A different it's way true. Of presenting I'm just presenting it in a different
0: way. Yeah. Um. And when you when you, yeah, it's the the antithesis of that is people who value, I suppose, the truth over compassion and want to hear statistics, logic, facts, and they don't really care if people's feelings get hurt. Whereas then the opposite side of the spectrum to that is, no, people's feelings are the primary factor at play here.
1: Those are the two ways of really interpreting the world. Yeah. That's really like one of the major filters that people have. Yeah, so I'm not even going to... Does your argument make sense, or are you expressing the argument in a compassionate way?
0: Yeah. And I always because I just sort of uh you know, everyone does it, just project what they see as reasonable and, and um uh ideal onto what they may be articulating. So I always try to express things in a way that makes sense. But I'm trying to train myself to express things in a way that's compassionate. Mm-hmm. And that
1: um But again, by doing that, <laughs> By doing that, you are yes, hitting t- a certain demographic. Yeah,
0: but that's just for my TikTok, and that's what I want to do. Like, I'm not going to do that on this podcast.
1: So, but what your ideal aim is? Come a bit more to forward. get rid of many as many of those like dismissive signals as possible. Yes and just reach as general an audience as you possibly can.
0: Oh, no, Maybe not even just specifically general. I mean, you'd have to toe certain lines here and there, but um, make those concepts digest. Like I said earlier, make those concepts digestible to people who would otherwise have immediately dismissed them. Mm. That's my goal. Mm. If I mm. were to have a mission statement for the next couple of weeks or months, and that's just with the serious videos I'm planning to do, Obviously, with my comedy videos, I'll still just do what I usually do.
1: That makes so much sense because if you think about who women look up to, it's BTS or it'll be One Direction. It's men that are as non-threatening as possible. They seem to attract the most female audience, whereas guys look at them and think like, "Man, what a bunch of fags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 sure. (laughs) Oh. They think like they—that's no, yeah, most there's a, there's guys a, there's when they see that. non-threatening men. Their immediate instinct is like, "Get him!" You know, there's and then a truth like,
0: to that for sure, for sure. Um, and but then you can you can take a few of the actors, the action heroes. Um, someone like Chris Hemsworth. I don't think many men are looking at him thinking, "Well, he's not threatening." But he does it all. He he he's mm. I suppose masculine in his look. But very um, empathetic in his demeanour, and I think that's what you have to aim for.
1: Well, that is the ideal that man is, in a woman's mind, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. That who's someone ben else Ben Shapiro like is very unthreatening in his physical. Yeah, <laughs> he, he's the complete opposite. <laughs> <laughs> the most meek,
0: the smallest man, but in demeanour, <laughs> very threatening, <laughs> an incredibly threatening man. Yes, of course yes, that... he is the anti-woman. <laughs> it's just that uh, hate that guy. They do, don't they? Yeah, I mean, conservative women like him, but I don't think they're... Um, I think they just women like, like what he like... says, but yeah. <laughs> I don't think they're...
1: They're not into him. No. <laughs> Who is a conservative man that women are into? Um... They weren't into Rush, mm. not into Bill. None. <laughs> Tucker?
0: Know. Um... Even that? No, because they're so combative and argumentative. Uh, I think older women might be. I'm just totally speculating and guessing here. I'm. I would suggest older women would be into that, but that's because actually there's there's a science to that. When women uh, look, actually, I'm not an expert on this, but I, I'm pretty sure I read a book that talked about how as women grow older, they actually in, their testosterone increases, mm. or maybe not their testosterone increases, but relatively it increases because their estrogen
1: deplete.
0: depletes. And especially around menopause. Yeah. That's why you get all the Karens. Yeah. they're just angry. And, and they aggressive. do look quite masculine. <laughs> yeah. So maybe that's when they, and then that's the classic trope, you know, when you're young, you, especially, I'd imagine, for the, again, I'm not saying this for every woman, but the average woman, um, would uh y- 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 you know go for someone like a Harry Styles or a One Direction, these kind of non threatening, cute boy band type guys? And then maybe as they get older, a bit more interested in your action hero type Hemsworth, maybe not even The Rock yet, but The Rock is like the man for 50 year old women, I reckon. Is he? I'm just guessing.
1: Or is it like 15 year old boys who think, well, well such seek muscles? There's
0: that too. Uh-huh. But uh, I can't imagine fifteen-year-old <laughs> girls have photos of the rock, rock. in their room.
1: No, nah. but they all just have extra hyper feminine looking men. Yeah, always. It's always it seems in to be be that way. It's, it's your Backstreet Boys.
0: It definitely seems to be that way. Your Justin Biebers. Yeah,
1: yeah, because they understand feelings. Yeah, and mm. the older that they get, the more they kind of wants a guy that can kick ass and take names. Imagine, just imagine. I'm not saying this is exactly what I'm going to do, but imagine someone
0: expressing Ben Shapiro's talking points, but he looks like an e boy.
1: Well, that's his sister, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's too slack. But you know, <laughs> no, no, I'm she's hot. She does. Oh, it's weird. It's scary. It's I one of those seen things. That. Have you all? Have you ever seen those com- couple? I don't know, not couples, but siblings. Where you see the sister and you think, wow, she's really hot, but then you see the brother, and the brother just looks like her with short hair, and then you think, that's what's happened with Ben Shapiro and his. That's
0: what people say about me and my sister.
1: Oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So So you're ruining it for her. They
0: say we look exactly the same. (laughs) Oh my god. Exactly. What's the the age
1: difference? Four
0: years. Uh, Exactly the same. Just I obviously have a beard. And I'm slightly bigger. Ah.
1: And I don't think that she's ruining it for you. I think you're just ruining it for her. <laughs> sorry,
0: sorry, Nina, if you're yeah, a, you should, if you're listening, you should you for
1: that.
0: <laughs> shout out to her. She graduated recently. Good on her. She's got a That's good lovely. proper job. She's an optometrist. Damn. Nothing like what I do. Good Indian job.
1: It's a good Indian job. It's a good honest job. I like that. It's the nicest of the specialty. <laughs> Uh, doctors. Yeah, you're not looking at a,
0: a gross body part. You, eyes are uh, not. They can get pretty fucked. They can, they can. But compare that to what, fuck, any, anything to do with Insight. genitalia or like the butthole. Yeah.
1: Is there a butt? Are, are there butt doctors? Yeah. What course. are they called? I've got no idea, but analologists. <laughs> there have to be. There's so many things that go wrong. <laughs> <laughs> a prostateologist. I don't know. Yeah, something like it would be for sure. Rectologist. Rectologist.
0: There we go. Who like how? How do they choose these specialties? Are you you know five years into medical school, and then the professor's like, "All right, time to choose your specialty." Oh yeah, I love butts.
1: Yeah, that's what. Happens. I want to
0: help people have healthy assholes. Yeah. The fuck? What is going on in these people's heads? Choose.
1: You know why what they would chose? You choose? I'm not choosing the butt. Yeah, what but, are the choices? Okay. Everything. Everything, <laughs> or just the. And then they saw the genitals. Well
0: what are the what are the different special there's you know orthopaedic surgeon, there's the optometrist, there's let's go through every podiatrist. Um
1: oh, dermatologist, for Dermato- sure. Is that's that the skin? best one. Yeah. I can look at someone uh, with eczema, that's fine. Sure? Yeah, of course. Uh look, some people have some pretty chat rashes. Those ones that start to look yeah. burn victim y, you know. But normally <laughs> <laughs> imagine if you
0: had a patient come in. ah, too burn victim Oh, no. Go to the next one.
1: And actually, you would have to deal with burn victims if you were a dermatologist. <laughs> but I just imagine that the majority of people that come in there would be mostly 15-year-olds saying, I've got too many pimples. That'd be it. I can deal with that. That's fine. But oh, your sister so with an optometrist. Y- yeah. No, well, I would be endlessly fascinated with it. You would just
0: it. be, in your mind, bullying the crap out of them.
1: Yeah, I would.
0: If I were to make a YouTube video destroying this kid, I could end his life. You're
1: evil. I oh, am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an evil man. Um, That's 90% of my comedy. You're, you're ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you're Italian. It's a very woggy thing. That's Spaniards go-to insult. Yeah, have, you, have you heard back from No, you're not you're even crazy. hot. Is, has he said anything yet? No, Christ no. Spaniel doesn't say anything to anyone. He lives a very stoic life.
0: Yeah, he's... um. It's really strange. He is. I wonder how we would interpret your uh, love for him. Because guys like that can be very like, oh man, this guy's being fucking disrespectful. Or they're like, ah, I love this cunt. Definitely.
1: He's being fucking disrespectful. If I ever see him on the street, I'll chuck a brick at the back of his head. But otherwise, I've got other enemies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine you're high on his uh, kill list. Surely not. Yeah. <laughs> What yeah, I'm sure he wants to Cunce fight. Trying um, to
1: kill him a higher up.
0: Luke Irwin and Spanion were supposed to have a fight.
1: Oh, you know the recent gossip about that. What happened? It was all an act.
0: Yeah, actually, he did. I saw that
1: video. So you're a fan?
0: Yeah. Jeez, it's like a of fight course. club, isn't it? It's just an intrigue. Very intriguing man, and he has a lot of tales to tell.
1: Are women attracted to Spanian? You know what to do. Oh doing yeah, you woman. tell us.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think at certain points, they, from what, th- this book I read called Hormonal, which I always recommend this, no one ever, no one ever reads it, but read it, Um, when women are ovulating, they're more likely to be attracted to very aggressive, stereotypically, mm. stereotypic, stereotypically alpha males, if you will, mm. so I'd imagine Spanion would really fit that bill, <laughs> 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 this man would protect me. <laughs> No one is going to hurt my offspring.
1: (laughs) And, in fact, he's kind of made a career out of telling people how he would protect a woman. That is most of his. It's either how to steal shit, but it's also just like steal shit for your missus. Just get one missus. It's the most gangster thing you can do in life. If you think about it in a lot of ways, he pretty much is the archetype love interest in a romance novel. Don't you think? Yeah, a he's, beast. The ba-
0: he's the beast. He's a beast
1: that he's does bad to protect his girlfriend. Yeah, you
0: know what? Yeah, we would love that guy.
1: They absolutely would. He's a dangerous man, but he has a rose. Mm. Yeah, that's what they want. <laughs> you want Spanion admitted. Specifically Spanion as well. And uh, there was some nutritionist in there that was just like, man, there is no way that that guy doesn't pump. Uh wait, sorry, isn't juiced? Is the phrase? Well, I think
0: he admitted it, didn't he? He's like, I've lost eleven kilos, no juicing, no, no, um, just creatine. So the fact that he said no juicing, oh, uh, I mean, maybe he's just saying no, I don't juice. But like I was telling you a few weeks ago, when you see guys that, especially if they get, if they get big really quickly, <clears> um, look, there are some genetic freaks out there, but. It's more common than you realize, mm. guys. Who, especially if they put it out there a lot on their Instagram and their social media. If you're talking about if you guys guys in their early twenties and late teens that look really good, you, it's Juiced? not it's not certain, but it's likely. Mm,
1: mm, yeah, mm. yeah.
0: And I'm not, you know, there's a lot of other lifters who are like, man, that guy's definitely juicing because it's just it's just jealousy, really. <laughs> but <laughs> this is what I've heard. The community. This is what I've heard. Um, oh, it's, it's so-
1: very prevalent. Dude, there's so many, now that you've been mentioning it, there's just so many signals in every community. There's just words that are the ultimate insult within that community and as you have pointed out before in every other community, who cares? If someone said to me, you're juicing, it would have no emotional impact on my life whatsoever. Yeah, true. But But there are some people, that is the ultimate insult. Damn, you're right. You know, recently, (laughs) it's just been playing with me, which Mm. is that... My audience, usually I'm always, uh, you know, I always think that they're going to be looking at the facts of a situation. But the other day I mentioned Paul Keating privatizing the Commonwealth Bank. The responses against it, not one rational response. Every single one of them was just visceral. And it, you really could against tell that it just came, yeah, well, not against me, just against the idea. That he privatized it, just saying that it was a blemish on an otherwise perfect career. So do you think just the
0: word privatization as a signal? Yeah, that's a signal. What do you link with privatization? Liberals, a right-wing economic outlook, that's something we're against. We're not even going to try to think about this rationally.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think that usually it's kind of a sticking point in that People that vote liberal would have a severe distrust of the government. And so they probably think that privatization is awesome. Mm-hmm. People that are pro labor uh, have a much more trust in the government. And so they think that they can handle everything better than the private sector. Mm-hmm. Whereas the reality of the situation is, which is what Paul Keating was just going through, is just, you know, some things work better in the private sector and some things don't. But that is a hard thing to sell to those two groups because, really, I think at the nut of it, that is what kind of separates a dyed-in-the-wool liberal voter and a Labor voter is their trust in government. And so... Is that the main
0: split between I suppose, the Labor left and the Labor right? That the Labor right is more in favour of... Yeah, we can privatise a few things.
1: Uh... They will say that to the exterior, the interior, the the difference between the two is really just factional. It's just about getting your own guys in. But traditionally, yes, that would have been the difference. Mm. And that was a huge fight specifically when Keating and Hawk got into power. Um, And they're just able to like masterfully work around it. Because, again, it's very hard to convince ideologues and so they just kind of found allies in certain areas to get like the economy moving in the way it did but the pri- the privatization was one was just like it was such a hard sell it's insane what they did really like now. because they just had enemies in their own camp let alone the liberals that didn't want them to make the same ch- the changes for different reasons so People in Labor left didn't want them to do it because they were just ideologically married to the idea that Mm. there shouldn't be open markets, and the Liberals didn't want open markets because their donors liked the monopolies that they had in Australia.
0: Well, what was his messaging? How did he get it through? I'd actually be very interested to see how he would articulate something like that, because I'd imagine for Liberal voters and maybe the Liberal Party, he would just... Be able to sort of almost ideologically agree with them and say, "Well, look, I'm pr- I'm doing the thing you want. I'm privatizing this." Whereas, to appease the ideologues, what I'm trying to think—that's a hu- that's that's a hard sell. <laughs> hey, I'm going to privatize a major bank. What did he do? What was his messaging there?
1: Opening up the banking sector to foreign banks coming into Australia was actually a fairly easy sell because he was just saying, why are we giving favours to these four banks that have a complete monopoly over Australia?
0: Okay, so he used an anti-monopoly argument.
1: Anti-monopoly argument. For an ideologue. Yeah, like just being like, Why are we giving favours to fucking Westpac? Like why do why do you want to defend them? But then the other thing was that uh, there was ideologues that were there that were just saying that, mate, if it's an Australian bank or a foreign bank, I'm choosing the Australian bank every time. And you couldn't argue with them about how much it increased domestic, uh, you know, foreign investment. No, they wouldn't listen to it. Um, Could
0: you even nowadays make a uh, almost a culturally left-leaning argument to say, well, we need to diversify our, our banking sector. There's nothing wrong with a different culture coming in and, don't you reckon that that is that something work? that they would say now? <laughs> they just absolutely would. I'm totally spitballing here, but I'm just, I just think, because that could sell it to certain, to certain Labour voters. I mean, the more cosmopolitan ones, maybe. Or no. The ones that like,
1: like a green voter would like that. Green voters would like that. Labour voters. No, it was just like, it's this thing that you cannot convince dyed in the wool Labour voters that. Keating privatizing the Commonwealth Bank was a net good. They'll always just go back to it was ours, it was public. They could set interest rates better because it was public. They were looking in the public interest. You can't you can show them a million facts of them just saying, no, they absolutely did not work in the public interest. They worked as a private bank that was just backed by the Australian taxpayer. Yeah. yeah, it was profitable. But you know what's much more profitable? This is the argument that just like sold me. And this is actually what happened. Yes, the Commonwealth Bank was returning a profit to the Treasury, but privatizing it forced them to kill what they ate. Before that, they would only approve loans that benefited, they knew they were going to get a profit off. So they'd do something like a massive mine, for instance. They'd be like, yeah, we'll approve a loan to that. But when it came to house, like home loans and stuff, you have to wait 6 months and then they say no nah, i'm not going to do it but you
0: isn't know? but that, that's wouldn't the whole point of a government run bank be that it's not beholden to the profit incentive
1: yeah exactly that it, that's the other thing that's insane to me is that they're always arguing you know it's good because it didn't have to run a profit but then they also argue it was running a profit so why privatize it
0: why was it but why was the government run bank so obsessed with profits then wouldn't the whole thing have been you know, the, the I would think the reason for a government bank like that to exist would be to maybe give loans to people who otherwise weren't uh, able to attain them in a, in the other privately run banks because yeah, which is absolutely not
1: what they did. Like Bank of Victoria fell through. Any public bank that was really running in the public interest would definitely absolve their loans because that's thousands of people that would go out of like would be homeless. Um, And Paul Keating had to bribe the Commonwealth Bank to act in the public's interest and suck up Bank of Victoria's loans. Otherwise, they would have just let all those people go homeless. That was how the Commonwealth Bank run. Like, it actually- The deputy editor at the time- Sorry, the deputy CEO at the time said, we see ourselves as a private-run bank. So they were acting as a private-run bank, but at the same time, they didn't have to behave like a private... The, see, this is the what the it was like. It they. behaved like a private bank when it suited it to behave like a private bank. And then when it was a public bank, you know, then they'd just be like, oh, well, we, we need another cash injection from the government, right? And yeah, it was running a profit, so it was that's still just all. getting back that That's what all the major banks are now. and get all these bailouts yeah. anyway. That's how it works anyway, right? So he was just saying, go out, if you want to be a private bank... Be a private bank. It still doesn't make sense to me. Why? What?
0: Why were they running it like a private bank? What was their incentive to do that? Because wouldn't have? Wouldn't they have just gotten the funding anyway from the government mm. if they didn't run a profit or something like that? Mm. Why was it? Was it some sort of competitive instinct by the people who ran the bank, saying, "Yeah, we're a real bank. We're going to compete with these other guys." Do you see, I'm just, I'm trying to get my head around why have a government bank if it's just going to be run like a private bank?
1: See, this is the whole thing. That's, that's exactly Keating's point. He was just like, why the fuck are you here? But
0: what, what was there a, when it, I don't know the history of the Commonwealth Bank, but when it started, was it different? Did it evolve or something into, into well, that? Well, actually,
1: I- I'm reading a book about exactly, God, my reading is getting so specific, but I'm reading a book. Jack Lang is going through the history of the Commonwealth Bank and he is just saying that it pretty much caused the depression. I stopped reading well, it because I started what reading what well, the world deper- what just the depression no, in, the, in Australia. Okay. In Australia. <laughs>
0: Damn. God, that's
1: I know. such big be calls. impressive. <laughs> I know. Wow, One of the big 4, not even all 4. <laughs> But, yeah, they used to just run as a little cartel. They'd get their little old boys in. You, other thing is that you would just – it was kind of just inherited nepotism because it was protected by the government, not like how the ABC functions, right? But in banking world, and they used to actively campaign against the Labor Party. They were a very unprofessional group. And that is the other thing. It was just very sluggish loans only picking off the low-hanging fruits would never go for anything harder than that. And then people say, oh yeah, well, it would have caused the GFC. We escaped the GFC because of Paul Keating's reforms in the banking sector. put in the four pillars policy, that kind of acted as a better Glass-Steagall in the US that they got rid of, and that's what caused the GFC. But it was a better version of that to begin with. And so the private bank, as soon as it went out, Approved a bunch of loans that it otherwise wouldn't have approved that were, you know, a little riskier than BHP opening up a mine. But every home loan is riskier than BHP Uh opening up a mine. And when they did that, domestic investment went up tenfold in this country, which meant this is the end result, right? So they Okay, so they weren't taking riskier
0: loans before it became private.
1: Yeah, but the thing uh-huh. was Paul Keating also put in reforms that forced all the four banks to not do what caused the global financial crisis in Britain and the US. Uh-huh. So they couldn't do ninja loans and they couldn't cannibalize each other like they did in the and other countries. Is there
0: one of the it's stock buybacks or something like that? That's a big part of mm. the reforms. Was that part of the Glass-Steagall?
1: Well, what? see, this is the thing. None of this really happened. I'm sure it happened in Australia, but not to the like you know systematic effect that happened in the US where it was stock standard that these things existed. Mm. Um, all of that happened. Commonwealth Bank was privatized. It increased the amount of loans that were put out. And as a result of that, and this was directly as a result of there just being access to 10 times as much domestic investment in the economy. Circling around. So it was much, much easier to get a loan. Australia was on trajectory in 2015 or something to have about a million businesses. It had about 500,000 businesses, Hawkeating era. Now it has 2 million small businesses. 2 million small, not even medium, not large, just in the small business sector alone it more than doubled the amount of businesses that are in Australia now. And so when people say... Yeah, but the Commonwealth Bank was returning a profit. One bank could not return as much money into the treasury as a million extra small businesses. That's the scope that this man was thinking about, right? Like it was just... I don't know. I'm just more and more interested in these characters that are kind of like, I don't give a shit about what your ideology is. I care about what works. Yeah. You know? Like, yes... Privatizing prisons has proven to be bad. Privatizing the healthcare system has proven to be bad. But Paul Keating's move of privatizing the Commonwealth Bank was of massive net effect to the economy. Huge. It still doesn't make sense
0: to me why a publicly run bank would would take less risks when it was run by the government. But anyway.
1: I don't know the answer to that either. It doesn't I make just sense. think that it was a thing of complacency. It was like they didn't have to. So why run yeah, the risk? Sure. So if someone's going to default on the loan, all they're looking for is to say at the end of each year, we returned a profit to treasury. So if they're not returning a profit to treasury, I suppose treasury would just be saying, why the fuck aren't you returning a profit to treasury? And so then they'd say, oh, okay, we'll be more conservative in our loans. I'm guessing that's what happened Maybe, there. yeah. That's, um, but the thing is that, yes. It's a strange one. If Someone that was acting as a private bank, but had the shelter of a public bank, does not work as just being like, all right, you're loose. Go on. Out you go. Go like, wreak havoc.
0: Like I said, that sounds like all corporations now. What? How they just get the they get bailouts if they fail. Well, yeah. It's not free market at all. No, you it's gotta, not free You gotta market. you gotta gotta accept the consequences if you do fail. And get a big bailout.
1: No. That's not how it works. Well there is corruption involved in that, but it's also a thing of I do understand the argument that it's
0: corporate socialism.
1: Yeah, it is definitely corporate socialism. But uh, can yeah, I think that's a big way that
0: that people can appeal to maybe Republican voters or liberal voters in Australia, because you're saying, look, this is not a free, this isn't free market. This is this is this is corporate socialism, and that just that word, that's that's another signal, isn't it? And it. And that's kind what it is. It kind of combines
1: to both parties because one party would just have such a negative association with the word socialism and another one would have such a negative association with corporate. No yeah, one go, likes yeah. the idea of corporate socialism. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Everyone hates that. Who the fuck likes that? The yeah, CEOs, that's that? it.
0: Yeah. The, well, shareholders maybe. but um.
1: Yeah, that's true as well. There would be a real, damn, that's it.
0: But then shareholders. Pretty much the just
1: the, the the richest members of society would like corporate socialism.
0: Yeah, that that phrase I don't know, I'm not a strategist, <laughs> a political strategist, but it just seems like that phrase would be such an effective way of uh gaining votes. Mm. Because you can't lose with a phrase like that.
1: Welfare is a very negatively associated word as well. Corporate welfare works. Yeah,
0: cor oh, corporate welfare. I mean, yeah. there you go.
1: Yeah. There you no go. No one likes that word. The corporate dole. Corporate dole. <laughs> corporate CineLink. Corporate CineLink. But do, you know what? CineLink, I think, doesn't have the same negative association. When people think of CineLink, they kind of think of mm. funny junkies.
0: Yeah, and there's a lot of other services CineLink provides, but when you just say
1: dole. The dole, yeah.
0: That definitely has negative connotations for the majority of the population.
1: Yeah, which is why they changed it to start.
0: Corporate news start.
1: Corporate news. Corporate. It youth doesn't allowance. hurt as much.
0: <laughs> what if it's a new corporation and they get a corporate youth allowance? Yeah. Corporate pension when it's go- yeah, <laughs> goes when under given- and they still get money. Yes.
1: Yeah, when they're given government handouts for research and development, corporate Oz study. Yeah, that It keeps bang working.
0: Bang that phrase out. Anyway. Yeah. corporate Employ welfare. me. I'll be the best strategist there is.
1: <laughs> it just kind of results in Bernie Sanders results, I think
0: Are you, um, that view you have that it's positive that like Keating privatised the Commonwealth Bank Is that a minority held opinion within labour circles or is it Oh, it's a minority
1: held opinion, full stop The other yeah, thing okay. is the average Australian hates the concept of privatisation But Really? <laughs> yeah, as always
0: Oh, ab- uh, yeah, 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 actually, you know what, yeah
1: Look, the, the, the criteria that the whole Keating government had was pretty damn good. It was just, number one, is it a necessary service? So, mm. they wouldn't privatize Telstra because telecommunications is a service. They'd privatize the shops that sold all the plans and things. That's mm. different. But the actual, you know, copper in the ground, they weren't going to privatize that because it was essential. And then the next one was, right. is it is it a profitable company? Because if it is a profitable company- Why not sell it and then use the money to set up things that aren't profitable, which is exactly what Keating did. He sold the Commonwealth Bank and used the money to set up a bunch of vocational training courses so that there was a bunch of education services available to lower-income Australians Mm. that they could do to increase their income. And at the same time, they had more access to home loans... Mm. And there was more businesses getting started up as a result of the Commonwealth Bank. So it was like, you know, the economy was expanding as a result of that. And people were getting more educated, which also expands the economy. Whereas if you just kept the Commonwealth Bank, they could not afford those vocational training courses.
0: Well, it just seems really illogical to me that if there is a government-run organization, why do they care if it if it makes a profit or not? The whole point of a – again, look, I'm not, clearly not an expert on this, but – just seems like the whole point of a government-run institution or organization would be
1: necessary services. Yeah, that that have no profit incentive. Exactly.
0: Yeah. So why, you know, even with something like the ABC, they're like, "Well, you're not turning a profit." Well, why are you you're setting parameters that they need to turn a profit, as though that that's the whole point of its existence? Yeah, to not be beholden by the mm. by the constraints of the free market and the need. For profit, mm. so I mm. I don't know, but this is clearly not my area of
1: expertise. Well, I don't think it's anyone's, but ever since you said that, I've been thinking about it a lot, and said what, like your points about there's just certain trigger words. Oh uh, yeah, 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 and once you say that word, you've lost the argument. Yeah,
0: yeah. So if you say socialism, so in in a in a non-negative con, with not. With, without negative connotations to certain people, they're immediately nut. And then if you say privatization to certain people, just immediately, that's it. Mm. I'm not even going to indulge in the possibility that you could have some decent arguments. Mm.
1: That Republican dude that does all those focus groups, his big example all the time is estate tax. 70% of the public agreed with that. And then he changed the word from estate tax to death tax. Seventy percent of the public disagreed with it. Same tax.
0: Yeah, things like, well, what was it? What's the classic? Word? The Patriot Act. Yeah. How can you disagree with that? You can't. It's just, it's just the wording of these things is so yeah. You vital. are unpatriotic. Yes. If you
1: disagree with the Patriot Act,
0: and coming full circle back to something like a wine fridge, <laughs> come to something like Black Lives Matter, when they have a they have their own ideology. Yet when people think about Black Lives Matter, they think about they think they've been asked the question, do Black Lives Matter? Well, obviously they matter, mm. but the organization is a very separate entity mm. that has ideological aims. Now, I'm not I don't actually know what they are, half of them. I know if, what a few of them are based on the commentary I listen to sometimes, but I'm not saying whether, you know, you should agree with it or not. I'm just saying that it's a separate it's a separate entity to the question do Black Lives Matter. Hmm. It's an organisation, but embedded in the name is a moral sentiment. Yeah. And you're immediately tarnished as, well, immoral because the way they've just set up the name, how can you disagree with that?
1: Similarly, the Patriot Act. But then there was the counter, which was All Lives Matter, and this is where it starts getting stupid because the things that go viral all the time is someone just shitting on the words all lives matter or shitting on the words black lives matter. Yeah, like know, people making different. entire stand-up pieces about yeah I know. why why this phrase is dumb. Well, because they you don't know? actually the
0: f- know that were the because they think all lives matter is a ret- – well, for a lot of people, all lives matter is a retaliation to the sentiment black lives matter – implying that black lives are particularly significant versus white lives. But the, to steel man, the, 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 the true argument, which is, hey, the, the system is notably um, depraved towards black people. There are specific disadvantages to them. So that's why we start we, we have the organization Black Lives Matter, because there needs to be a, an organization uh, that stands up for this uniquely targeted um, segment of the population. right. And so people were misconstruing that, whereas there are also layman people out just random people who were misconstruing the uh, organization itself. Because there are various ideological goals of the organization. You know, destruction of the nuclear family is one of them. That could be just like a right-wing talking about it. I, don't, I don't, don't know any of that for sure. But um, there is also just an overall ideological ethos, which is that working within the system no longer uh, is effective. So we have to – there are, there are, you know, segments of this, let's bring down the whole system. And there, there is a sort of SJW element to it, which a lot of people would – uh have um qualms with but when the, the organization itself is called black lives matter you're wrongfully branded as someone who actually doesn't care about black lives if you say something like well i'm just not entirely sure about the um methods that black lives matter employ mm. to attain their goals mm. but anyway but but my point is just in the name of certain things is is you know the effectiveness of the messaging think about I think you're like definitely right like freedom that sounds good just the word itself how can you be against that
1: yeah that sounds good and that is thousands of years of conditioning has gone into freedom the, the, the word
0: itself in any context that sounds great why would you not want that
1: maybe but maybe if you grew up in a society that was constantly condemning the notion of freedom, you wouldn't have that association.
0: Potentially. That's, that's, yeah. Well, Look, you know wrong. what?
1: Actually, the really classic example of that is in Western society, there is a huge emphasis on freedom. And in Islamic societies, there is a massive emphasis on justice. Justice sure. is not given the same pedestal as freedom in our society. I really don't think it is. I think that justice as soon as you start thinking about that freedom just seems to be on this pedestal by itself that you you can't question the foundation of the word when it gets to justice you start thinking like well how proportionate is it? Is it really justice? Both of these Is terms, this just a mask for something else? I
0: mean both of those terms can be interpreted in myriad ways though Hmm. It's not as
1: though, but well, that's the whole point of these words, isn't it? Yes, it's just to evoke an emotion. That's true. In
0: on an in a, in a given context, those words are going to have a specific meaning. But as you know, broad political sentiments, they could mean whatever they want. They could mean whatever the person saying them wants them to mean. Mm. Um. Similarly, something like family values. What the hell does that mean? I don't know what any of this stuff means. Yeah, it's man, a sentiment. It's, it's a feeling.
1: I think that that's really what's happening there. If you're going for this TikTok angle. <laughs>
0: Come back to that.
1: But it's just like...
0: you got to get an emotional... you got to hit the emotions more than anything
1: else. you got to hit the emotions. And the emotions are wound up in the words... You've got a minute to do it, and I think actually you're right. You just got to say buzzwords. probably not. You got to say buzzwords: Passion,
0: trauma, relationship. Or Yikes! Relationship. Well, I'm not gonna do. No, I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna come across as that person. But so the whole what I want people after I make if I make any of these, all I want people, the, the biggest I guess emotional takeaway I would be looking for is. That guy is compassionate. That guy truly cares. And, I do, and I do, it's not like I'm faking anything. I
1: do. Um, no, but before, your priority was I want them to come across and see me as being logical and sound in my argument. Yeah. But you're but going for a different angle now.
0: Don't, I don't care about that at all now. Right, right. Off. I care about it personally, but I just don't think that's an effective strategy if I want if I, for my goals right now.
1: For your goals right now. But, again, it depends who you're aiming for Mm -hmm. because you know what actually i think that that's very true i have had a sudden uptick in the amount of people that are saying "Friendly george is very mean and nasty that's the common insult hurled at me which first off guilty is charged i don't really have a response to that yes that is me but the other thing is that i think that a lot of that is linked to the fact that i'm not at the moment Making as many videos of, have you ever noticed this about Aussie culture? I had this guy at high school that did this. At the moment, I've just been doing a lot more newsy things. And so, I think that that's the, you know, these are all subtle communication things that you're putting Mm. out. And if you are constantly doing news, you're going to be seen as more of a cunt. So, it's kind of the same thing with you. Like, if you want to get to three or four million, I suppose it is possible to do it. But I am saying that as soon as you start putting out opinions that are non-jokey,
0: yeah, but the the way you're alienating audiences. Yeah, I know. But you, you almost it's it's you can't uh, not do that. The way TikTok is, the the way it's so divided now, at least on my again on my for you page, it's just you you have to pick a side. It's almost like you have to pick a side. You're not going to get anywhere. The way. I'm thinking about it is my tone is never going to be opinionated. It's never going to be arrogant or pretentious. I'm always aiming to like I say, come across, hey, that guy's compassionate. He he cares. And also a tone of curiosity. I'm just gonna I'm going to always articulate it.
1: Like, Let me know your thoughts.
0: Yes, through mm. questions like this is what I think. This is what some people think. I suppose the argument is this, and the argument is this. But then, in my subtle framing of some of those things, I'll probably hint at ah, this is what I kind of think. And then at the end, let me know what you think in the comments.
1: Look, it's a lot to express in a minute. Yeah, man. I know.
0: But I, I'm 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 on board with this this challenge, man. Because look, coming back to where I, I guess your people are criticizing you for being mean and nasty, it's you have a very argumentative, combative style. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain sector of the population that immediately, even if they agree with you immediately, well, if they agree with you, they may be, I suppose, indifferent or uh, casual viewers, but they're never going to be ardent supporters of what you do. Mm. Whereas the people who really love you are the people who are going to agree with you but also um, feel connected to you on an an emotional level and, and appreciate some of those subtle signals that you're giving off in the sim- in a similar way. You know, I'm hoping to do that, but just with a completely different demographic right now. Um, you can't please any- everyone at the end of the
1: day. No, you can't please everyone, but it's really interesting that this is the way that you're trying to frame it. Because um, I've never even really thought about it. It's always just been for seven years straight, fuck you, <laughs> Like this is what I think, like, you know, agree with it or ship off.
0: And then, and that works for it definitely works for um uh, there are just ceilings to both strategies I guess uh, there's a ceiling to to that in the sense that you can never uh, appeal to everyone and there would probably be a ceiling to being that more. Uh, um, I just think there's calmer like- and 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 tranquil <laughs> voice in in the in the cesspool of um, divisive tribalism, which is that you maybe have broader appeal, but but you don't have that passionate fan base. Or maybe you can hit both. I don't know. Look, at the end of the Jordan the Peterson the day, is, is the
1: closest to have hit both. Oh, people hate
0: that guy, though.
1: Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. As soon as you start expressing opinions, people will hate you. Yeah. But in terms of being able to breach that... Like, you know how before we were just saying... Is there any commentators that women like? Jordan Peterson is the one that women like the most. Most women that I speak to, they'll be, you know, the smug fucking Twitter brigade that are like, oh, my God. But that's just like, dude, you had a bad relationship with your dad, okay? We all know. Fine. But, like, (laughs) everybody else that I meet that's kind of just a woman that is normal, isn't a (laughs) psycho... It's yeah. so true though oh, everyone on yeah, Twitter yeah, yeah, yeah. is fucked. <laughs> it's not just That's women. Why it's like I every it. yeah, they're just I'm it's it's, so it's so the worst human it. beings all are on that fucking cesspool platform, right? So very
0: glad I deleted that thing. My god.
1: But you know, women that you meet in your life that aren't really in the social media world, they are kind of in it but not of it, I suppose. they they kind of have like a general understanding Uh of who's who, the big figures, you know, they're not going to be as into it as we are because it's not the bread and butter. Those people, when they come across it, if you ask them about Ben Shapiro, first thought in their mind, autist. If they think about (laughs) – and fair. And if you think (laughs) about uh, Jordan Peterson, yeah, every time they're – I swear there's so many more women that are open to what he's saying and it's reflective in his audience. uh, It's like 40-60. is it? It's pretty male skewed, isn't it? His YouTube audience is. But when people go to his shows, there's a lot more women there.
0: Yeah, but that's just shows in general. When yeah, go to that's... Shows ju- more that, I men,
1: suppose mine are 40, 60, but my going, audience is like yeah, 80, 20. Same,
0: same. Yeah, it's something about sh- just live events. Men just want to stay at home and watch porn. Um, they want to
1: go... And also, they would drag their girlfriends along. I think that's what happens. Yeah, that's what happens. That's yeah. why there's more.
0: Um, I guess to conclude this... Uh, someone like uh, Russell Brand that's someone you know M- men can uh, nah men hate when I, him
1: yeah, exactly I don't know man when I see him I'm always like dickhead even okay. though he pretty much <laughs> okay. agrees yeah, with yeah, everything yeah. I think but I right. <laughs> you can guarantee women love that guy yeah they do
0: yeah uh, yeah they really do yeah and it's funny, he does Free, podcasts love, with Jordan Peterson and they agree on a lot of things. Yeah. There are definite um differences in political views there, but and he is a com- he's a comedian. It's not like he has some expertise in political well, maybe he did a degree, I don't know, but well, he was always a comedian. Mm. I love that. You can be a comedian and then just become one of the most world renowned cultural commentators there is. Why? It's a strange <laughs> it's world. It's great now. though. It's great for us. All right, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap this one up there. Um, thank you for listening, guys. Uh, make sure you subscribe and uh, go see Jordan live. Come see me live if you're in Sydney, and we will see you next time, guys.